Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Who among us as a child didn't spend some serious time with some neighborhood kids or some cousins playing hide and seek? One person was designated to be it, right? While the rest of us, you had to find the most creative and bestest place to hide. And then the person that was it would count to like 100, but I counted to like 25. And then they would open their eyes and they would turn around and they would start the search. Ready or not, come out, come out, come out, wherever you are, here I am. So the challenge for those hiding was to wait for the right moment to try to make it home, right? So when I was a kid, one of my favorite places to go hiding when I was at my grandparents' house was in their den. I love that den, it was really warm and cozy and it had that painting in it of Jesus. And when I shared this story once before, June and Chris DeLorme actually gave me that painting and so I have it hanging in my office near my desk. I love it. And the painter was a guy named William Holman Hunt, and the painting was actually titled The Light of the World, and it was a classic 1853 painting. And here we are today, taking a look at it. So robe Jesus in white, symbolizing the resurrection, standing in a garden at a door to a home, and he's knocking on a wooden door, wooden door. I would get lost in the thought of what was going on in that picture and what was supposed to happen. I mean, in the painting, it was nighttime, so you could see the darkness all around. You could see this garden in the background. It was really cool, like ivy, and the hinges on the door are rusted. So it gives the impression that the door really hasn't been opened in a really long time. And it wasn't until much later that I finally realized that there was no doorknob on this door. So Jesus, if he wanted to bust in, you know, he couldn't because there was no door. So then I thought, does he want to go in and be with who's ever behind the door? Or is he out there saying, like, come out, come out, wherever you are and come and join me. I think that painting has a thousand meanings, really. And it just seemed to capture this one verse in Revelation 3. Listen, I am standing at the door and knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. The idea that Jesus would want to hang out with me was just unbelievable. That painted door, according to the, uh, the painter, said it was a symbol of a closed mind that needed to be open to Jesus and his love and all his talk of the kingdom because he was carrying light and he was bringing life because he was resurrected. I like that. And then you go to a really tricky passage, the kind of passage that no preacher wants to preach on, in Luke. And here Jesus is, and he's really focused about his mission of preaching the kingdom. And he's trying to preach that message 
to uh, Israel, to the Jews. And he's trying to tell them that they have an opportunity as a nation to follow God and that he is God, that God dwells within him. And Jesus wasn't liking it too much because they had kind of a bad attitude, right? They were the chosen people and they knew the law backwards and forwards and he was constantly butting up against them because they would choose the law over people. They would choose the law over love. And when he came, the old covenant, which was the law, right, from the Old Testament, now was the new covenant in Jesus. And he took all those 600 laws and he got it down to two laws. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. And they could not get their heads around that. Because if that were true, then they wouldn't have those positions of authority. And nobody really questioned them. It was a big deal uh, to be a religious leader in that day and age. And he just kept butting up against them, trying to teach them humility and that they didn't have it all figured out. So what a shocking message it was for them to hear from Jesus that, you know, the way you're living life here, you may be surprised to know that it's not just an express ticket to the kingdom. And so they were shocked and they were mad. And again, one more notch in the belt to do him in, proclaiming to be God, uh, reprimanding them who were the leaders in society. He was constantly getting himself in trouble. And that he basically said, you know, just because you're the law-abiding citizens of the descendant Abraham, you know, in their eyes, they had this association, like a special place in the kingdom that had been passed down to them. So they were kind of riding on the behavior of their ancestors. And then along comes Jesus, who makes it crystal clear that this is not the way that God works. Jesus urged them to make every effort possible to realize that he was the door to the kingdom and that everyone came through him was welcomed. And there wasn't like a tiered, you know, the front row seats up to the balcony. Everyone has opportunity, including them, to follow Jesus and to be welcomed. But man, his message, it just fell flat. You know, hey, Jesus, didn't we sit down with you at a table and share fellowship with you? Hey, Jesus, didn't we actually listen to those parables you taught? I mean, give us some kind of credit. Jesus preached that God was fulfilling that God's promises to create a family, one nation, the whole world, and that the whole world would be blessed by coming through him the door. And that oftentimes, even though all are welcome, we make the door narrow. We begin to look at others and say, uh, I'm not sure if you're going to make it through the door. The last thing that Jesus did was judge people, keep them away from the table, the kingdom. And so now the Israelites would have to die to their elitist identity. The door to God's family is Jesus. And it wasn't really that God had rejected them in the scripture. It was that they were rejecting themselves by not following the Messiah. And Jesus was urging them to redefine 
who they thought they were and who they thought God was and how they thought God or Jesus should act and instead open the door of their hearts and find a place at God's family table. You know, on the mission trip in May, we had 30 of us that went to Camp Henry and the retreat theme was Revelation 320. And I asked everybody to bring a door from their life that they thought was important to them and to share the story of the door. So those doors are displayed on this poster board and I will make sure that it makes its way out into the narthex and you can see it. And it's really, really a wonderful thing to hear their stories about how it made a difference either when a door was closed and they didn't see it at the time or when a door was open that they could have never saw coming, perhaps when they had kind of given up hope, and all of a sudden they come along a door that Christ has given them. And the things they've learned by coming through those open doors or by discovering doors they never thought would happen, the people, the places, the adventures. You know, I was thinking in grade school, there was kind of this standard if you bumped up you know, against somebody or somebody was standing in your way, God forbid you said it to your mother when she stood in front of the TV. Hey, Mom, you make a better door than a... Yeah, don't say that to your mom. Don't, don't. That did not go well for me. So maybe a postmodern look at Hunt's painting suggests that the same statement can be true about Jesus, that Hunt showed Jesus knocking at the door, gently urging all those within to let him in so that he could go in and they could come out. And I think that's our call today as a church, to follow Jesus outside in his footsteps, to take Jesus with us like vacation Jesus, and to remember that uh, Jesus doesn't just come and hang around the door of our hearts as like a permanent guest that never goes away, right? His life and his mission is to provide us with a window in which to see the world through our Christian faith, a window that the world just doesn't get. And he makes it possible to kind of walk outside of ourselves, to walk outside of those protective walls or those doors we put up between us and God or between us and other people. And we get to step out into the world and all we gotta do is follow him and do what he does. He shows love, he's compassionate, he's all about justice. He's all about standing up for the oppressed. When he sees things that are unjust, he stood up for them, right? He stood up for people. He loved people to the point of going to the cross. And because he loved us so much, he took all our sins upon him so that now we can go through him to get to heaven and have eternal life. And it wasn't just heaven he was talking about. He said, come to me and I'll give you abundant life right here, right now. Oh my goodness, when you follow Jesus, there are doors you come through. You couldn't imagine all the people who were there to welcome you. How wonderful was it for the kids? They were standing behind the door like this. They couldn't wait to get to you. Kids in church who can't wait to come through the door of this place because they have adults that love them just because they're them and they belong and they have a seat at the table. How amazing is that? 
My goodness, Jesus wants us to become a part of what he's doing in the world, not play in our own little spiritual sandboxes. To be a church who has left the building. Not the who, but the where. Where is Jesus going to take us? Because of who we are, his brothers and sisters, children of God, all are we. Oh my goodness. And what's really great in the scripture passage is that when someone comes through the door, there's always a feast, right? The prodigal son that came back home, dad, instead of reprimanding him, threw him this huge party, put his robe upon him, gave him, gave him the family ring that was passed down, and everyone rejoiced. And that brother who was having a hard time, that father loved him so much and said, you know what, son, you have been awesome. You've stayed back. You've helped me. But your brother was lost, and he's back. And that's going to change everything. So how wonderful is it for us because at some point or another, we're going to get lost. Maybe we're going to stray. We're going to wonder where God is. And to know that while we're out wandering, there's a church of people over here who are loving us and praying for us when we can't find the words. How incredible is that? That will eventually bring us back. Bring us back through that door where we have a place right at the table that's been waiting for us. You know, all of us have been invited to open that door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, says Jesus. So do we, well-meaning as we are, like God's people Israel, do we keep Jesus outside the door of the church? Let me in, says Jesus. And he stands there, not so much trying to get the church to let him come in to stay, but to get us to sit down at table with him like his disciples that we might get up and follow him from that table and take bread to a hungry world who's hungry for the love of Jesus, that unconditional love. And you know where we're called to go? Out behind the door in that garden where it's unruly and it's unkept and it got a lot of weeds. And basically he gives us gardening tools and goes, let's go. And all you need to do is follow me. We don't get the blueprint of the garden. We don't divide up in teams. We just go. And we start pulling out the weeds of our own life. And as we do, it changes us. And that love radiates to other people. And then they're able to do that too. And before long, we have a beautiful world. Now, of course, you'll say, well, how can we change the whole world? You can change the people that are within your arm's reach with your love. And all it takes is one person who will go out to other people and other people. How amazing is that? You know, I think, too, the painting reminds us that we have a choice to make. Are we going to let Jesus into our hearts or are we not? It's kind of like I was traveling on an airplane and it was a long flight and the steward comes up and he says, hey, would you like to have dinner? And I'm like, yes. What are my choices? And he goes, yes or no? <laughs> no filet mignon? No. It dawns on me now that we have the same choice, right? Yes or no. As the church, we choose to either say our Father who art in heaven and we keep him there, or we say our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, and we're going to help you do that, Jesus. So we gather here as the people of God 
We remember that we are the hands and feet of Jesus, his body on earth. We're called to continue his work, his ministry, and we gather here to remind ourselves that we're forgiven, that we belong, that we're accepted, that we're loved, and we have hope. And then we take that lantern out of hope and love and faith and we spread it everywhere and we give the world a little grace and hope. And so the door may be narrow, but everybody's invited to come through it. And how amazing is that? The Spirit of God is breaking out all over the place in the world today. Like the lantern, Jesus holds us up in the darkness. Like he stands at the door, his light breaking through forth every direction imaginable. And Jesus, the source of all light, says to us, open the door of your heart. Come out here. Join me. Follow me. Let it be so. Amen.